Thank you for joining the Home Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at myhomechurch.org. series called the Ruse of War. Ruse of War. This is, have, have any guys ever heard of that term, Ruse of War? Yeah, so maybe some guys are in, uh, women that were in military. All right, let me just share this real quick and then we're going to jump into it. I've been praying this week and I really believe that God had placed this on my heart to go through this teaching series and even in our worship, so many things being confirmed. Uh, let me give you the definition of what it is. It it's, has French origin, but it says this. It's military acts against one's opponent by creative, clever, unorthodox means, sometimes involving force, multiplies, or superior knowledge. So let me just give you an example of this. I'm not even sure this is true, but there have been real examples, but this is a, probably a more uh, famous one. How many of you have ever seen the movie Troy? See the movie Troy with Brad Pitt? So you know that the, the Greeks tried to take the city of Troy, and they were unable to do so. And so they planned this, this, uh, this scheme where they look like they retreat, and they leave this horse on the beach. It's referred to as the Trojan horse. And, uh, and when the Trojans come out, they think it's a parting gift, and they bring it into their city. But little do they know that the Greeks put soldiers inside of there. And so at nighttime, the soldiers come out. They open the city gates, and they allow the army that looked like they were retreating to come in, and they have the victory. And so if you actually look through the scriptures, amazingly, God actually uh, <laughs> involve, engages in some divine ruses. He, he does some pretty clever and, un, and unorthodox things to give his people victory. And as I was starting to scan through the Bible, example after example, there were incredible principles and truths that were emerging from the text that I believe apply to our lives personally. And I really think we're going to be challenged and encouraged in this because we're going to see that just like God gave the Israelites and those in the Bible victory through very bizarre and strange ways, God does the same thing in our life. And we're going to find that maybe the unorthodox means that he used in the Bible, in some ways he's doing the very same thing. When we can't make sense of it, God is moving in a very similar way in our life. And what I want to share with you today is entitled Divine Detours, Divine Detours, and we're going to be looking at a story that probably many of you are familiar with. It's the parting of the Red Sea, back with Moses. And if you've, if you've ever walked with the Lord for even a day, you probably have encountered this. Either you're in this season now, you're coming out of this season, or you're going to be heading into this season where you had an expectation of where you should be going, what you thought it would look like, the promise God had given you, and then all of a sudden you find yourself moving in a different direction, wondering, God, what's going on here? But I want you to know something, that God has great plan and purpose when he gives us divine detours. And so the, the, the call today and really the theme you'll see throughout the next few weeks, the biggest theme is probably trusting the Lord because when he asks us to do these things that are just bizarre, it's really just childlike faith to say, okay, Lord, I'm going to trust you. So I'm going to ask you to turn, turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 13. And we're going to look at verse 17, and if you don't have your Bible, you can look up on the screen. But this is episode one. We're going to do six different teachings on this, and we'll finish with the greatest example of the most bizarre victory, which is the cross. <laughs> but Exodus chapter 13, verses 17 through 18, we're going to read a few, a few scriptures today, maybe more than usual. I wish I could read the whole story of the parting of the Red Sea, but there's, there's too much. But I'll, I'll read as much as I can and fill in the gaps. I'm sure all of you are familiar with it, but maybe you really haven't actually read through the, the details of it. 
But here we have Moses leading the people out of Egypt. And I'll start in right here in verse 17 of Exodus 13. It says this, when Pharaoh let the people go. Let me, let me just stop here for a moment. This is so important. All of Exodus 1 through 12 and even 13 up until this point, this is what it's been working towards. We all know the famous expression of Moses that he goes to Pharaoh again and again and says, let my people go. He speaks freedom for them. And this is, it's happening right here. It says, when Pharaoh let the people go, they were stepping into freedom. Listen to this. God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. For God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert road toward the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt ready for battle. So before we get into the actual scene of God part in the Red Sea, let me just share two things the Lord shared with me right here. And the first thing it says is that when they come up out of Egypt, God didn't lead them through the Philistine country, uh, through the road that led to the Philistine country. That was the, the coastal road along the Mediterranean Sea. It was the shortest route. It was a nice route. But God, right from the beginning, takes them on a divine detour to lead them a different place. Not the shortest route, the roundabout way. And he takes them into the desert. Not the easiest route, a hard route. And there's one thing that, that the first thing that, that, that God spoke to me on this is, because he doesn't take us on the shortest route, God is not just concerned with des destination. He's very concerned with process. Process is so, so important to God. See, we're a destination-driven people. We like to just get to the place as soon as we can. We want the fastest route. We want the most convenient route. We want the most comfortable route. But God isn't just concerned with getting us to a place. It's in the process that God does deep hard work in us. It's where he builds character, builds trust, and begins to have us conform more and more to the image of his son. And so God will often take us on detours of which he has purpose to do a deep work in our heart. Our culture loves to go the fastest route, but God is, is most concerned with making us look like, like Jesus. And I want you to know something. You will be, when you walk with the Lord and you have these detours in your life, and I'm just going to have to trust that God's going to make this personal by the Spirit speak to you. But when you go on these detours and God reroutes you and you say, wait a minute, I thought I was going somewhere else, God. You have to, you have to know that you're going to be tempted to take shortcuts. Each and every one of us will be. We see it throughout the scripture. And one of the greatest examples is with King David. King David, when, when Samuel the prophet came to, uh, to anoint him, the future king, he came to the house of Jesse, and he saw all the brothers that had the appearance of being a king, but he said, no, it's none of them. And then lowly David comes in. He says, that's the future king of Israel, and he anoints him. But do you know where David steps in next? He does not step into a throne room. He steps into a decade of being on the run as a fugitive because the current king Saul is jealous of him. We don't have time to go through what God was doing, but there was a process. And what's so amazing is that King David had multiple times where he was in the cave with Saul and could have killed Saul. And if he took Saul's life, he would have stepped into what God had promised him. But, but David said, I will not touch the Lord's anointed. I will wait on God's timing. He had a temptation for a shortcut. And I want you to know the promises God gives us, we're going to be tempted to take an easier, faster route. But I... But I I want to encourage you to take the Lord's route. The Word of God says in, in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, what is it? Many of us know this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge Him in all of your ways and what? And He will make your paths straight. What does that mean? That means that when we trust in God, 
It's never in vain. It's, it's, never, it's never empty. It's always producing something. It's always doing something. And the reward is he makes our path straight. That doesn't mean the fastest route. That doesn't mean the shortest route, but it's the right route. It's the route that keeps us from wasting our life on worldly pursuits. It's the life that keeps us. It's, it's the path of protection and provision. It's the straight path, and that's where God wants to keep us. Proverbs 14 says that there's a way that appears to be right to man, but in the end leads to death. Oh, I've, I've, I've experienced that firsthand. I went on my own routes many times, only to find it was death waiting for me. Thank God for his grace. But here's the other thing that we see in here is that his detours are divine protection. This is so, so important. I want you to lean in on this for a second. God said, he said, if they face war, they might change their minds and head back to Egypt, head back to where they were. And I love what it says here. It says that the Israelites went up out of Egypt ready for battle, which means they were in formation, which means they had the appearance of being ready for battle. And even though outwardly they looked ready, God says, on the inside, you're not ready. You're not ready to face certain battles. I have to do something in your heart before you face them. Really what they needed was a fuller revelation of who God was before they could face those battles. So God purposely takes them on a detour. And I want you to hear this, that his, his rerouting in our life is to protect us. There is perhaps the most bizarre story in the entire Bible is with Balaam and his donkey. You guys know about the story in Balaam and his donkey? If you don't, go to Numbers 22. It's so incredible. But, but you just hear this for a moment. Long story short, the Israelites are getting to the, towards the end of their journey in the wilderness. And they're heading uh, towards the promised land. And, the, and they're in the plains of Moab, right outside the Jordan River and Jericho. And the king of Moab, Balak, hears about the Israelites coming. And he says, they've had great victory. They're great in number. Their God is fighting for them. We stand no chance. So he sends his high officials to summon the great prophet. He's a sorcerer, Balaam. And he sends his officials to say, whoever you curse is cursed, and whoever you bless is blessed. I need you to curse the Israelites. And so Balaam says, well, let me think about it. And that night, the Lord comes to him and says, don't, don't curse these people. They're a blessed people. And so he sends the officials back to King Balak, and, and they tell King Balak that he won't do it. And so he says, well, give him a reward that he can't refuse, right? An offer he can't refuse, and we're going to reward him handsomely. And they send the officials back to Balaam, and he agrees to go with them this time. And so he saddles up on his donkey, and he's riding uh, with his officials. And while he's riding, it says an angel of the Lord appears with a flaming sword. And the donkey can see it, but Balaam can't. And so the donkey pulls off the road into a ditch, and Balaam starts beating him. And, and the donkey comes back on the road, and they keep going. And then they're said they're in a vineyard, and, uh, and the, the walls are real tight, and the angel of the Lord appears again. And this time, the donkey is so resisting going that it crushes Balaam's foot against the wall because it doesn't want to move forward. Balaam still can't see this angel of the Lord. And finally, they get to the third place in which there's no room, it says, to turn left or to the right, and the donkey finally just falls on its knees. And Balaam again starts beating the donkey, and then the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord comes upon the donkey, and he can speak to Balaam. And he starts talking to him, saying, why are you doing this to me? He says, have I ever done this before? I've been your donkey your whole life. And all Balaam can say is, no, you've never done this. And then long story short, God opens the eyes of Balaam. And listen to this. God opens the eyes of Balaam, and he says, I have come to oppose you because your path before me is a reckless one. 
And if I were to let you go, the donkey would have been spared, but you would have been destroyed. And I want you to know that there are many times in our life where God detours us because the path that we're heading is for destruction. It's that relationship that he keeps telling us not to go into, yet we fight past it only to find that it nearly kills us. It's the business venture that we keep trying to bring back to life, and God says, put it to death. It's the job that we shouldn't have that we go after. God divinely detours us to protect us. And I want you to know that sometimes, sometimes it's the right thing, but at the wrong time. Sometimes we have to wait. Sometimes it's the right thing, just the wrong path we're taking. And sometimes it's just the wrong thing altogether. And God says, this thing is being shut down. Don't move forward with this. There are two things that we need to come to trust in the Lord in order to, in order to follow him. Trust in the Lord, I think, is sovereignty and goodness. And I believe what I want to share with you real quick is that God wants us to come to a place where we see him as sovereign and good. If he's just sovereign and not good... We're going to operate in fear, never wondering if God has the right intentions for us when he detours us. And if he's just good but not sovereign, he's nothing more than a a heavenly Santa Claus that is good to the kids, but we really don't know if he can hold everything together in our life. But God is both sovereign and good, and therefore we can trust him with all that we are. So I want you to look with me in your Bibles. Move forward to Exodus chapter 14. Let's just dive into this for a moment. Exodus chapter 14, Exodus 13 13 comes to an end with the presence of God going with the Israelites. Pillar of cloud by day and pillar of fire by night. I love that. God, the detour that he brings us on, he's with us through the whole entire thing. And and just keep this in mind. When when God detours us, he's bringing us into unfamiliar territory. So we have to, have to lean into him as as our guide and as our leader. And so the presence went before them to lead them as they were moving into the wilderness. But this detour that starts right here just begins to pick up. This is just the beginning. It says now here in Exodus 14, starting in verse 1, it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp near Pi-Hahiroth, between Migdal and the sea. They are to encamp by the sea directly opposite Baal-Zephon. Pharaoh will think the Israelites are wandering around the land in confusion. Hemmed in by the desert, verse 4, and I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them. But I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites did this. So God starts with this detour plan, and he tells us he does it because he is protecting them, and he's going to do something in their heart. And then he gives us the next thing here. Which first and foremost, he says, I'm going to prove myself to be greater than this thing that once enslaved the Israelites. But if you read this carefully, you'll see that God leads the Israelites to the most bizarre place. It says that God leads them to a place in which they are hemmed in by the desert. Don't miss this. This is God who's leading them. He says he has them go to this place in which there are mountain ranges on the side and the Red Sea is behind them and the only thing, the only way out is to go back the way they came through the desert. This is God who's purposefully leading them here. You say, God, what is this great detour of yours? What is this great rescue plan of the Israelites? Where are you taking them, God? And we see right away he's leading them to essentially be trapped and in a dead end. And it says here in verse 2, he says, tell the Israelites to turn back. 
You see, there was actually, if you chart this out, there was a point of which they were actually were moving away from the promised land. I just want you to hear this. Look, when we follow God and he detours us, there are times where we could be walking with him and we could feel like we're moving further away from what he's promised us. We say, God, I don't understand. You said I would be doing this. You said I'd be going here. But it feels like I'm going backwards right now. But there's no setbacks when you follow God. There's no setbacks. He is divinely ordained to be sovereign over all things. And all things that he does, his route always has great purpose and plan. And so he puts the Israelites in this place of which they are essentially surrounded except for the desert. But it gets even crazier than this. This is God leading this. In verses 5 through 9, which I'm not going to read, God does harden the heart of Pharaoh. And Pharaoh winds up coming after the Israelites. And he doesn't just come after them to talk a peace treaty. He comes after them with 600 of his best chariots. And they come out not to, not to talk about nicely coming back, but they've come out to annihilate, to conquer, and to capture these people. And here it picks up in Exodus 14, verses 10 and 12. It says, As Pharaoh approached... The Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. So here's God's beautiful rescue plan. He detours them, not to the shortest and easiest route, but he takes them to the longer roundabout route into the desert. And then he leads them to a place of which they have mountain ranges on the side, and they have a Red Sea behind them. And then he calls the Pharaoh, and he hardens his heart to pursue them from the desert, the only way out. God has literally trapped them in this place and has the Egyptians now barreling down on them. And then it says God waits, and he waits, and he waits. And you may be thinking, yeah, but they probably thought, I mean, God can part the Red Sea. He's, he's parted waters before. He's never parted a water before this. <laughs> Listen, he put them in a place they can't even perceive a way out of this. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. God leads you intentionally to dead ends, places you cannot get out. And it feels like hell is coming against you saying, God, how could you lead me here? God, how could you lead me to this place? I have no way out of this. And it's a place that we can't even see a way out. This is stuff that I'm, I'm walking through personally with the church saying, God, how are you ever going to do this? And God's telling us to trust, to wait on him. And he waits. He doesn't even just trap them, but then he waits and he waits and he waits. And it says they're coming closer and closer we love, we would love to have the Red Sea parted when the Egyptians are still in Egypt. But God waits, and the Egyptians get closer and closer, and they could probably see out in the horizon this, this, this horizon line that's coming. And then as they get closer, there's a dust cloud. And as they get closer, they can see the actual horses. And as they get closer, they can actually hear the hooves of the horses and the chariot wheels pounding against the desert road. And they begin to cry out in fear. And begin to cry and say, what have you brought us here for, Lord? Have you brought us here to die? I believe there's many in here that know exactly what I'm talking about. And if not, you'll soon find it. Where God will lead you to places where you have nowhere to look but up to him. 
Because God is going to do something deep within your heart. I want to encourage you, if you feel like God has promised you something, God has said he was going to do something, you're moving away from it, and now you find yourself backs against the wall, I want you to know God is doing something. If we would trust that he's good, if we would trust that he's good and that he's sovereign, we could say, Lord, let your will be done. It's what Caesar spoke about in the worship series where Paul and Silas, Paul followed the calling of the Lord to go to Macedonia. Next thing he knew, he was put in prison. I mean, if I followed God like that and found myself in prison, I'd be like, this is crazy, Lord. I did exactly what you said, but God had a, a supernatural miracle that he was going to birth through that. And I want to encourage you that when you feel like there's no way out, God has a way out for you. We're going to see that in just a moment. They cried out in great fear. The question we ask ourselves often is, is God loving when he leads us to places like this? Is he good? But God leads us to places in which he can reveal more of himself to us. That's how he expresses his love to us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The more he reveals of himself to us, the more loving it is because that's what we need. That's why God doesn't raise Lazarus when he's, or heal Lazarus when he's sick. He allows him to die because he doesn't want us to know that he can just heal sick people. He wants us to know that he can raise the dead. So he allows things to happen in our life to corner us in to give us a greater revelation of who he is because when that ha happens, there's a hope, there's a confidence that begins to build within our heart that we say, my God can do anything. And so here it is in Exodus 14. The plot is thickening. They're being battled down by the Egyptians, and here's Moses' response. Moses answered the people in verse 13, Do not be afraid. Stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. In the midst of this chaos and craziness, there's this voice of faith that rises up, that says, stand firm and be still. And here's what he's saying. Not that we don't do anything, but he's saying, don't move until God gives us the next step. He's, it's not just saying that we don't do anything in these situations, but he's saying, we don't start moving in a direction until God gives us the direction to move in. He says, stand firm, be still. Don't try to manipulate a way out of this. Don't try to strategize how you're going to make up for those funds. Don't, don't try to figure this thing out on your own. Simply stand still, be firm, and God is going to speak. And when he speaks, then we will move. And it's in these moments in my life, man, the anxiety goes through the roof. <laughs> When you just feel like your back's against the wall and you don't know how things are going to work out, you don't know how provision's going to happen, you don't know how that family member's ever going to be saved, you don't, know, you don't know, there's just so many questions, you don't know how it's going to work out, how the marriage will be restored. Man, God spoke so many personal things to, to me this week through this, it just ministered deeply. But in these moments, anxiety begins to run through the roof. You know where anxiety comes from? Wanting to be in control, right? Wants to be in control. Here's the ironic part. We're actually never in control. So deep down, we're always pacing with anxiety of how this is going to work out. How is this all going to come together? But the Bible gives us the remedy. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and he will make your path straight. When you trust in him and give him your lives, you know he will always work it out for you. And in these moments right here, we have the old nature flares up. It's fight or flight. We feel our back against the wall, and we say, I'm going to fight my way through this. Or, or I'm going to pretend like it's not going on and just suppress it, but it's still always there and it comes back up. But Moses teaches us another thing. It's not fight. It's not flight. 
It's trust. When our back's are against the wall and God leads us by his sovereignty to these places, he's calling us to trust. And I would imagine that this must have looked so foolish. Listen to me. Faith, faith will make you look foolish. And I'm too stubborn and prideful most times to let that happen in my life because I don't want to look foolish. But if you think about this, the Israelites are ill-trained, ill-equipped, in uncharted territory, surrounded with an army coming down against them, and God's call through Moses is, stand firm, be still. Can you imagine that? Saying, no, I'm going to figure this thing out. I'm going to fight my way through this. I'm going to find a piece of wood, and I'm going to float across this Red Sea. I'm going to do whatever I can to get out of this. But God says, no, no, no. Wait, wait for me. Wait for my voice. And when I speak, then you move. Because if we don't, if we don't, it says, the Egyptians you see today, you will never see again when we go God's route. In other words, it's total deliverance when we follow God. But when we do our route, I find that the things that I, I tried to get away from, they typically resurface themselves back up again. But when we follow God's route, he brings about a complete and total deliverance. And he's not saying they're never going to see the Egyptians again, because they would. They see them today. He's saying the way that you're experiencing them today, you'll never experience them like that again. They will never have this power over you again. You will be set free. If you wait on me, you will be set free from this thing. That anxiety, that depression, that, that suicidal thought, that, that uh, addiction. He says you wait on the Lord, and then you do what he says, and God will set you free. And so before we get to the end of this, in verses 15 to 29, God does speak. He says, break camp. Break camp. He tells Moses, stop praying. Tell the people now to break camp. Where? To the left, to the right? No, head to the waters. They're probably still thinking, what are you talking about? And they head to the waters. And many of you know this part. God commands Moses to raise his staff. The waters, there's a supernatural wind that comes that brings the waters up like, like city walls on each side. And then what I love is simultaneously while this is happening, the presence of God that led them this whole time then goes behind them as protection. The same presence that's leading is now protecting. And the Israelites don't even have to ask for this. That's just God's heart. He stands between them and their circumstances. Listen to me. When you get in those places, don't let your circumstances come between you and God. God comes between you and your circumstances. And he makes a darkness fall so that the Egyptians cannot move forward. So now the Israelites have time to move through the Red Sea. And when they get to the other side of the Red Sea, then God has Pharaoh and his army come after them. And it says that he causes their chariot wheels to jam up while they're going through the Red Sea. And they get heavy and they can't move. And they say, surely God is fighting for the Israelites. Let's turn back. And then he tells Moses, raise your staff again. And the waters sweep over them. And in the third watch, which is just before dawn, the Israelites on the other side of the Red Sea, the Egyptian bodies are washed ashore. And I want to close with this in verse 30 and 31. Listen to this. This is what it says. It says, that day, in verse 30, that day the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. Listen to this. He's going to sum up why he did this. And when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. Yeah, there's protection, there's things that God's doing, but most of all, God was taking his people to a place where they would put their full trust and faith in him. And I want to be to that place, but am I willing to walk through these seasons? Faith and trust is best developed in the 11th hour. 
It's when our backs are against the wall. God has them surrounded and encamped where they have nowhere to look. They have no, 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 no plans or resources to get out of this. There's one way. It's God. I promise you, God will lead you in situations like this, not because he's evil, but because he's good. He wants you to know how good he is. He wants you to know that you can trust in him. And in the Psalms, there's a scripture that sums up everything that happened here. It's the New Living Translation. I think we might have it in the NIV, so it'll sound a little different, but I'll read it from the New Living Translation. Just, just hear this as we close right here. This is in reference to the parting of the Red Sea. It says, your road led by a pathway through the sea, a pathway no one knew was there. Man, when I heard that, that ministered so deeply to me. It means there's a pathway when we're in those places that our natural eye can't see. We can't see how God can take us out of deficit. We can't see how God could ever redeem this relationship. We can't see how God could ever provide a career. We can't see it. In our natural eye, we look around and say, man, I'm trapped and life is falling apart. But it says here that God had a pathway that nobody even knew was there, but God saw it. And the call today is to trust in that God in your life, that he too, wherever you find yourself, has pathways that you can't even see with your natural eyes, but he does and if we would just stand firm and wait for him and then follow his direction, we will see God do the miraculous in our life. His pathway wasn't simply doable but inconvenient. He didn't have them take rafts across the sea. He literally made dry ground, dry ground where they could walk so much that Pharaoh said, we can go there too. God can take barrenness and bring fruitfulness. He takes hopelessness and brings hope. Wherever you see just disaster, God has a pathway to bring life into that. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come up as we just close here. I trust that God has ministered to you personally as God leads you and brings you about divine detours in your life. And here's one of the beautiful things of this, of this scripture. Do you know that throughout the wilderness trip, as the Israelites continued on, as they would come to different nations and as new generations of the Israelites would be raised up, do you know that often, often people would reference this moment right here? When they would encounter nations, they would say, man, you are the Israelites. We know about your God who has parted the Red Sea. And as generations would rise up, they would talk about this story. And here's the point, is that the Israelites trusting in God produced a testimony for other generations and other nations to glean from. And you're trusting in God when your back is against the wall and you feel encamped and you feel there's nowhere to go, but you stand firm. Let me tell you something. All of us, everyone, whether believer or non-believer, go through situations like this in life. But when a believer can stand firm in their faith and express to the world that my God will see me through this, there is such a sweet testimony that comes from that that everyone else around says, I want to know who that God is. Thank you for listening to Home Church's podcast. To go deeper into the message, text DEEPER to 66866. If you would like to give to this ministry, you can text the amount to 631 693 4176 or visit us at myhomechurch.org backslash give.